Welcome to Venture in the South, a weekly 30 minutes lighting the path to success for startups and investors in the Southern US. Welcome to Venture in the South. I'm Paul Clark, one of your hosts, and I'm here today with David, your co-host, to talk about angel investing results, how you track them, what kinds of information you need, what kind of tools you might use to do that, and why doing all of that is important. David, I'll start off with the first question for you. How do you track your angel investing results? Well, that's a multifaceted question, but but first, let me start off with saying the reason we're talking about this, I had a listener contact me and say, hey, can you give me some advice on the best way to track my angel investments? And so that's what precipitated this show. In terms of what I do, I have a spreadsheet that I track all of the investments I make. And you know, some people criticize spreadsheets. They think you need something more database-oriented. But I find that it meets my needs pretty well. It tracks every single investment and it categorizes the investments by whether it's active or whether it's exited, whether it's a write-off, and also for the active investments, whether they're up, static, or down. So I can tell at a glance where all those are. And I have about 51 startups that I track right now in my investment portfolio. So way more than I can do just in my little noggin. And so it's quite helpful for me to have that spreadsheet to look at. And I refer to it a lot. And then I have a number of items in there that I track, like how much did I invest? How many shares did that buy me? And what are they worth at this point in time now? And what sort of result has that produced in terms of IRR? And I know you want to talk about IRR a little bit. Yeah, it was an open question and you covered a lot of ground in your answer. So let's dig into some of those areas. So let's just run through what you're tracking. So you're tracking how much you invested, obviously, what you bought. Why do you track what exactly you bought? Well, once you get a, more than a handful of investments, you, you really don't remember what, what the name of that company, <laughs> or I don't remember that uh, company was, what the name of it was, how much did you invested. So you need to have a record of that. And okay, what so, if you yep. die? Yeah. And, and somebody else needs to find out. So, so it's a record. Like anything you do in life, you really should have a record of it. Okay, got it. So the absolute basics on what you bought from that perspective. You also track, I presume, what kind of security you bought, whether it was a convertible note or preferred equity and those kinds of things in, in your spreadsheet, right? Yeah, I do. And, and I think that's particularly relevant because convertible notes have expiration dates that you need to be aware of and get alerted to like, okay, something's going to happen at this date. Yep. And then Safes do not have that routinely, but some of them do. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's important. Yep. And warrants too is an important one to track because those often have a use by date in them. Oh, that's a good. That's a good point. And one common mistake is people don't note that down. They let the warrants expire or something, and uh, and maybe lose out on some value. So yeah, okay. What you bought is important just for record keeping. It also matters too from a tax perspective, right? Yeah, and so I do something from a tax perspective. So I track the status in terms of QSBS status and whether they have a state tax credit. And actually, that's most helpful for me in terms of tax planning, because if you're kind of a person like me that you pay quarterly taxes, you kind of have to have an idea, well, how much tax are you going to owe? Mm -hmm. And state tax is particularly tough. If you're going to have a state tax credit, then how do you account for that when you're making your quarterly payments? And so you have to have some idea looking forward, well, okay, how many credits do I have this year? Okay, got it. Yeah, that's an important thing to think about. Just back on what else is in there. 
So you mentioned you're trying to track the current share price or the value today. So why do you do that? Just to give yourself congratulations when you need to, or is there some other reason to do that? <laughs> well, that's uh, that's not without value, self-congratulation, <laughs> yeah, right? you know, yeah. a, a little pat on the back every now and then. Yeah. But what I do that for is the share price that you pay and what the current share price is, is really the only reliable method that you can track your appreciation or loss over time. So there's dilution from round to round because shares are put into the option pool or they're expanded in other ways or warrants are awarded or notes convert and things like that. So the share count dilutes the overall number and value per share. So if the company was valued at one raise at $10 million and the next raise, they're valued at $20 million. That doesn't mean your investment doubled by any means. (laughs) So the only way you really know is what the share price is for both of those investment rounds. Okay, got it. So you're marking to market when there's a priced equity round that comes along afterwards. Are you trying to do any other kind of valuation work along the way? Or do you just leave your spreadsheet to just record those book values that way? I do not do anything other than that. I'm a believer in mark to market. And what I mean by that is the last valuation, formal valuation in a round of investment. So I think that's the only objective way to do it. I mean, one can reasonably look at your portfolio and say, hey, I know this investment's going to go for a much higher price when it's purchased by an acquirer or at IPOs or exits in some other means. But, you know, that's really sophisticated, wishful thinking. So that's why I don't I don't <laughs> yeah. include that. Yeah. We call that our 90 seconds of dreaming a day. We do allow ourselves to do that, but yeah. um you can't you can't spend that money. So um it's a it's a it's a wish, not a not a bank account balance. That's right. Okay. And dates is an important thing to track as well. So exactly when you bought things. That's right. Um can you elaborate why? Yeah, so I re- I record the purchase date and then the spreadsheet also has today's date. So I can calculate every day what the interval is, and thus the age of the investment, so the maturity. And then I can real-time calculate the IRR based on the last valuation and the ROI. So those are two simple measurements that you can reasonably make. There are other metrics that we'll probably talk about, and we have talked about in other shows that are useful, but they're too complicated to do for a single investment. Yep. Okay. Well, I think that probably covers most of the key data then that you're trying to track. Yep. I would also offer how you made the investment is important too. So we have some investors that invest directly in companies. We have others that use trusts, they use IRAs, they use other corporate entities. Uh, And so just making sure you remember exactly which of your own entities bought the thing you're talking about is pretty crucial too when when you come to filling in the right tax forms and tracking who owns what. Yeah, that's a great point. And one of the things that I do, Paul, because I really only have two avenues of investment. I have a Roth account that I invest from, so an alternative investment account. And then I have my personal taxable money that I invest. Mm -hmm. And those are the only two avenues and all of my investments flow through the Venture South vehicles. And so it's pretty clean. But what I do in my spreadsheet, I highlight those that are tax exempt. So alternative account like Roth, I have highlighted in a particular color and the taxable ones in a different color. And so I can tell at a glance which ones are taxable and which ones are not based on the source of investment. Although realizing in our situation, most of them are QSBS eligible. So if you hold them for the appropriate period of time, five years, you're going to be exempt from capital gains tax. Yeah. 
Uh, and just if people are not familiar, so there's a, a kind of retirement account called an IRA. A Roth IRA is a subset of those IRAs. And the reason that, generally speaking, you might like to use those for investing is because they are tax-exempt on some of the gains in some, some situations that you use. The benefits in angel investing, as David said, are not quite as great because a lot of the time those gains are exempt anyway, but those vehicles are used you know, often for, for alternative investment. You have to have what's called a, a self-directed IRA uh, with a custodian that allows you to do that, which is there aren't that many of those, but there are some. And we have a lot of members that use them for investing in, through Venture South. Okay. And then one other thing that we, you mentioned there that we hadn't really talked about in the prior episode. We did have a fascinating episode, I think episode 41, where we talked about all the different acronyms that describe your your returns, but IRR wasn't really one of them we dug into too hard. So can you just elaborate a little bit on what that means? Yeah. So that's the internal rate of return, and it's comparable to the DPI distributions of paid-in capital or the ROI, so the return on investment, but it accounts for time. And so that's the functional weakness of DPI and ROI is it in the numerator, you have the amount that you've had returned. And in the denominator, you have the amount of money that you invested. And so it's a fraction. That's the ROI or the DPI of an exited investment. Yeah. But IRR introduces the time value of money. And so it's a little bit complicated to calculate, but you can do it in a spreadsheet pretty easily. I'm not going to go into the formula, but... Oh, go on. You want to. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. It's too complicated. But it, it, you know, we have a sample spreadsheet that we're going to post on our website that you can access, and it has the calculation in there, and it, it'll do it for you. So you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, got it. And so just in very simple terms, you know, an ROI of 10x in a year is great. An ROI of 10x in 50 years is not great. Yeah. And so the IRR tells you how good that is you know, once you've taken into account time. And the one way it's useful is you, you can use that to directly compare your returns in angel investing to other things. Yeah. Like the stock market. You know, you hear that the S&P grows at 7% a year. So you need to know your IRR in angel investing to compare to that 7% per year to, to have a sort of comparable benchmark to look at. That's a really great point, Paul, because benchmarking is the only way you have any idea whether you're you're really on the right track or not, because you can have returns that may seem okay, but until you do these benchmarks comparisons, you don't know how you rate relative to the rest of the world, and that's important. So particularly if you're investing in funds. So funds have results, and you can look at them there. You have to be a little bit careful because they can be easily influenced by the way they're calculated, but you can calculate themselves just by asking for basic numbers like, okay, what was the fund's total investment capital that you invested, less fees, and then what did you distribute in terms of capital? And you know, there's always going to be some investments that haven't reached an exit. So then you have to divide that into, okay, exits versus active portfolio. And there's all kinds of metrics for that. But if you don't calculate those, you can't compare yourself to anybody else. And so you don't know where you are relative to the world. Venture in the South is brought to you in part by the Rolling South Fund, a family of funds providing single company SPVs, a quarterly rolling fund, and soon a traditional fund of approximately 20 startups launching in 2023. Our funds are focused on high value, high growth startups in the Southern United States with tax advantaged exits. For more information or to invest, 
go to rollingsouth.vc. Welcome back to Venture in the South. In today's episode, uh, I'm Paul and I'm here with David and we are talking about your angel investment track record, tracking your returns and all the things that you might want to think about as you evaluate whether you're doing a good job at angel investing. One of the things that we mentioned in the, the intro to the show are some of the tools that are available. David is clearly an advocate of Excel. Actually, Google Sheets. Google Sheets. Okay. I like the phrase that more fiction is written in Excel than it is in Word. So I would make sure people are aware that your spreadsheet <laughs> probably is wrong and it's good to have other people's eyes on them as well. But I would agree with you, but generally speaking, for an individual, an Excel spreadsheet is probably plenty of technology to use to keep track of how you're doing things. I would offer a couple of other additions though, as somebody that runs an angel group and sort of keeps track of the angel investments for thousands of people at this point that tests the limits of lots of Excel spreadsheets. So I would offer just a couple of other possible ways you might want to approach doing something like this. Uh, one is a database. So, you know, glorified Excel in some other database format that helps you with recording sort of ancillary data, like, you know, what the company does and things like that. It also deals with all the, the numbers we're talking about, but it also lets you add commentary and keep track of things and you can make that as sophisticated as you like, you know, an access database or an Airtable or some, you know, online data platform is, you know, all perfectly fine. Good ways to do all of that. We do a lot of accounting at Venture South. So QuickBooks is also sort of our record of truth. Um, that's more accounting software than it is database, but similar kind of idea of keeping track of who owns what, who's paid what, um, who has received what in terms of cash tied to bank accounts and checks and all of that keeps track of things for us as well. And then lastly, there's a whole suite of kind of online tools that are marketed to angel investors. So maybe we can chat a little bit about those, David. Do you use any of those? And would you advocate for? I do not personally. I'm a little bit familiar with them. And I know that you, you may know better than I. There's, there's probably 10 or more out there that, that have functionality that's suitable for individual investors that may do conventional equity investment in addition to alternative investments like, like startup investments. And there's a couple that are specifically for startups, and they typically have a subscription. So you pay monthly and mm -hmm. subscribe for a year, that kind of thing. So what has been your experience with those? We have used a few of those in different ways over time. At the company level, most companies are using something like Carter as a platform for distributing information on who owns what in the company to investors. So that's often a starting point. And if all of your portfolio companies are using Carter, uh, you can keep track of things pretty well using that. Uh, but not every company does, and you may not necessarily want to do that, but that's, that's one sort of portfolio company level uh, tool. We've used other things at kind of the investor level. There was a, a platform called Gust back when we originally started Venture South. We used that. There was one called Proceder that we used and used that too. We use one at the moment called Venture360, which is another third-party software not, not related to Venture South or Venture in the South in any way, but is a, a sort of portfolio platform for tracking what you've invested in and, and how it's doing. The problem with all these platforms is they don't necessarily record the actual truth of what's going on because they all need manually updating by somebody. So you know, at Venture South, we have our source of truth internally, and then we have to go type it into Venture360. And we don't always do that you know, in real time because it takes for a while for deals to close. They can't always handle the complexity of you know, convertible notes converting, but also anti-dilution kicking in. Things can get pretty complicated in those kinds of complex scenarios. So some of these tools don't necessarily handle that super well. They are, generally speaking, pretty good. 
Serif is another one that you know, I'm not advocating for any particular one, but um, that's a pretty well-established one that a lot of angel groups use as well. And there, there are others. So I would definitely say they are worth looking at. They you know, help you get a snapshot of your portfolio sometimes in, in ways that could give you some useful insight. But equally, they can be filled with as many errors as your Excel spreadsheet is. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned, Paul, that warrants some emphasis is updating. So what I do is quarterly, I go through my list and update the valuation because you know I'm dealing with a portfolio of like 50 companies. It's pretty easy for me to know because typically there's only going to be an update of maybe two or three companies per quarter where there's been a new round and a new valuation or news that oh, they're, they're crashing and they're going to be worth nothing. Mm-hmm. That kind of updated information, I do that quarterly. So at the end of each quarter, I go through and I update the share price based on an objective event like revaluation or unwinding or exit or whatever. And you have to do that manually. I don't know of any way to do that other than manually do that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, partly because it's hard. So an automatic software tool would have to be pretty smart to really understand that that whatever happened actually led to this change in the share price for you and, and update your pol- portfolio for you. Yeah. That's a pretty sophisticated you know, task to, have to, to deal with. And then one of the other things you can do if you keep it up to date like that is you can create some very nice graphics that will give you a snapshot or anybody else you want to share it with a snapshot of what's going on. So you can graph this data from the spreadsheet into really nice pie graphs or bar graphs or whatever you like in terms of whatever metric you're wishing to follow, whether it be ROI, IRR, any of those things. Yep. Reporting back out to people is important. If you're an individual investor, it probably isn't so important to make it look attractive as long as it has the information you need. But if you're reporting into other people, like as a fund manager or something, you definitely want to factor that into your thinking too. The other people you're reporting to is the IRS or to your CPA who's reporting to the IRS. So having accurate records and being able to turn those into the data a tax accountant needs is important too. Yeah. The spreadsheet that I use, I don't have the links attached that bring out the graphics. I'll probably put those in over time. So if you look at that spreadsheet and you like it, just keep in mind that I'll probably update it over the next few months with some graphics that will convert the analog data into a graphic that you can kind of see what your IRR is and your ROI and some of these other metrics. Now, one other thing is some of our listeners are are maybe smarter than you or I. And so if any of our listeners come up with a really great addition to that spreadsheet, we'd love for you to share it with us and we'll post that on our website. If you if you come up with some nice links or or plugins or whatever for that spreadsheet that you think is useful. We'll share that with other listeners. No doubt there are smarter folks than us listening than there are talking. So that's great. We'll definitely <laughs> steal their best ideas. One other kind of niche piece of reporting that, uh, that we should probably mention here is, is around K-1s and taxes. Do you have any particular way of tracking things like why your K-1 doesn't exactly match what's in your spreadsheet? Those kinds of sort of tax book differences or capital account differences or anything like that in in your spreadsheet? Or do you just say, yeah, it's not my job, my tax accountant can worry about that? I have the capability of doing that. So if I wanted to, but I don't want to, I throw myself on the mercy of the court that I'm doing my best effort to account for the value accurately. And if the accountant that issues the K-1 is not right, Okay, I'll I'll live with that. Whatever that is, whether it's a penalty or additional tax or a refund, 
Yeah. Uh, I haven't really encountered a problem like that because I don't think the IRS has the capability or the interest to get into that level of minutia of a return unless you're having a serious audit. Yeah, that might be true. Um, also, I think generally speaking, tax accounts get this stuff right. So, yeah. you know, it's not that hard. There are some things that are a bit funky about it. So, if, for example, if you've invested in an LLC, the sort of tax book value of that may have gone down as you've been using losses that have come to you from the LLC. Mm-hmm. And so there are some sort of niche things like that that you do want to be aware of in some, some situations. But generally speaking, we've talked about how fairly straightforward the taxes are on angel investing and how generous the tax code is towards not requiring too much taxes on angel investing. So mm-hmm. I don't want to belabor that one too much. Yeah, and really, I think the takeaway message for our listeners is you just need to do some kind of tracking. If you don't track, you're, you have no idea what's going on and you, you need to do some level of tracking. Well, thanks, David. I think that covers keeping a close eye on your statistics. And I do encourage people to use David's spreadsheet and, and think about ways to improve it and uh, look forward to sharing some other ideas in some future episodes. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for listening. We're interested in feedback and suggestions. So email your thoughts to david at ventureinthesouth.com. This podcast is supported by Venture Carolina, a nonprofit focused on investor education, and the Rolling South Fund, a startup fund focused on early stage startups in the southern United States.